Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. So we're going to do Mark number six tonight in our study for um, spiritual maturity. And, um, you know, I think when we we think about um, this this topic, it can be both intriguing and intimidating, right? Because uh, we think of spiritual maturity, there's a lot of us that think, I I just, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I don't know if I'll ever get there. You know, if Christ-likeness is the the epitome of it, it's the, the height of spiritual maturity. I just don't know that it's ever me, uh, whether it's because we struggle with sin or because we feel like that we're not doing enough spiritually. But again, sometimes we think of this idea of spiritual maturity, um, Christ-likeness being something that is so far off. Um, But I just want to encourage you again tonight, it's a process. Um, It's something that we have to be committed to for the entirety of our life. This is something that we have to say, it's going to be a daily grind. It's going to be something that's not going to happen in a week, I'm not going to be like somewhat mature and then really mature over the course of even a month or two months or three months or a year. It's a lifetime pursuit. And so uh, just be encouraged with that. Uh, tonight when we talk about something that may be a little difficult, I think is difficult for most people. And uh, it's our sixth mark. Um, and the reason why it's difficult is because in our culture, I think we see such a contradiction with this uh, topic that we're going to discuss tonight. And specifically concerning speech. Um, Think about this. In some ways, you can say anything you want, and you can say it in so many different ways, on so many different platforms. It's it's so free. I mean, again, you can put it on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and and all the other things that that exist. You could say whatever. Uh, But on the other hand, in other ways, you can't say anything if it has to do with certain topics. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the contradiction that we face. I mean, so it seems like some people could just say whatever they want, wherever they want, however they want it, and it just, no problem. Uh, but for some, you can't, it seems like you can't say anything at all. Uh, Christians, I think, get caught up in the word battles today, uh, whether in person or behind a device. Again, we can, it, it's just so easy and accessible to, to say, to write, to do those things. And I think there's another sad side of this, that Christians can be caught up and guilty of gossip. Christians can be caught up in and guilty of divisive speech. Um, Christians can be caught up and be a part of words that tear people down instead of build people up. And, and sadly still, uh, when someone has a problem as a Christian today, you would think that this would change, right? And, and I, don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know why you would think it would change, because man has always been man. But you would think that this would change over 2,000 years of the Bible being in Christians' hands. Well, almost 2,000 years. Um, At least the Word of God in in large part and and in some parts, uh, depending on where you're at. But you would think after 2,000 years it would change when the people of God have a problem with someone. That they would take it to the Lord. And then they would take it to that person. Versus taking it to someone else and using their tongue or offering their tongue, tongue to the enemy as a weapon against their brother or sister, right? Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that 2,000 years later, when you have, some, you have a problem with what the church does, you go and tell somebody else versus coming to me. Or you have a problem with what the music does, and instead of going to talk to Brother Jim, 
You go and talk to somebody sitting down the row from you. Uh, maybe that's, I'm not, this is hypothetical, right? Because nobody here does that. No, no, nobody, nobody goes and talks to anybody else but the people they're supposed to, right? And, and I'm sure if you've ever had a problem with the church or with me, you've not talked to anybody else. So it's all hypothetical. So, um, but before, before, I want to say this before we get into the lesson. Um, if you do have a problem with the church, okay? If you've got a problem with something that we're doing, if you've got a, a problem with something that we've done, if you've got a problem with someone in the church, whether it's me or another brother or sister or a leader or whatever, go to them. If there's a problem with the church, you have a problem, issue with the church, you have a problem, you have an issue with, with something that's done or not done, first of all, take it to the Lord. Don't act in the flesh. And then come to me. Don't go talk to somebody else, you know, or go talk to an elder. If you've got a problem with somebody else in the church, don't go talk to somebody other than that person. Go to the Lord first, and then go to that person. Do it right. We're, we're supposed to be the people of God. Let's do it the way that God tells us to do it. Um, and again, if we'll just follow biblical instructions so much of our life, you say, but that's, that's a lot harder. If I've got a problem with you, Brother Kyle, I'm not going to come talk to you. Why not? I don't like bite you or anything. I don't think I've ever bitten anybody, but um, almost recently. No, um, but take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then again, if you need to go to that person and uh, make it make it right. Simple stuff, but it's hard for us to follow. Tonight we're going to talk about our sixth mark of spiritual maturity. If you haven't got uh, an idea of what we may be discussing in our sixth mark already, I'm about to tell you, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time again. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to worship you. Thank you for, uh, Lord, just your goodness. Thank you for your love, your grace, and uh, your word. And I pray that tonight you just use me as a vessel. Lord, this is uh, such an important lesson for us, um, even today. And so I, I pray that we would be in tune, that we'd be attentive to your word, uh, open to what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us, and uh, again, just be glorified in this place, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so mark number six is a controlled tongue. Controlled tongue. A uh, mark of a mature Christian is a controlled tongue. Somebody who can control their tongue. James chapter 3 is a very popular uh, chapter on this topic and uh, it says this not many of you should become teachers uh, my brothers for you know that that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness again uh, this is something that's so important for us to get there's a lot of people that are teaching a lot of things out there and I'm not saying that that I am perfect or without flaw because I'm far from that um, but I know this, it's my heart's desire, it's my intent, it's, my, it's, it, it's the very core of my being to teach the Word of God and not to teach anything else. And so, um, and, and one of the reasons why is I realize that in, in given the responsibility to teach the Word of God, I'm going to face a stricter judgment before the Lord one day. If you're a Sunday school teacher of a, of a, of a class, or you fill in for a Sunday school class, or, or, or you are given the responsibility to have the authority in teaching God's Word to anybody, regardless if it's a, a church or a youth group, or, or you think, well, they're just toddlers. No, 
if you've been given that responsibility, you have been given this high responsibility of being a teacher. And that, for that, you'll face restrictions. Now, it's not to intimidate or to make anybody say, well, I don't want to do that. Um, but just to understand the weight uh, of the responsibility behind this. So he says, not, there's not going to be a whole lot of people that rush to be, become teachers because there's a greater judgment waiting or a stricter judgment waiting. And he says this, because we all stumble in many ways. There's, there's, we stumble over our words. Sometimes we say the wrong, th- wrong things. Um, sometimes, I know I've done this, when we're studying people like we are in Joseph, sometimes I say like Isaac instead of, you know, somebody else, not intentionally. Again, we stumble over our words. And sometimes you can say those things and it can really make a mess uh, if you don't go back and correct it. Because, wait, did he say that wrong? Um, and so, again, that's what Paul, uh, James is saying. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, look at these next few words. He is a perfect man. So, it goes on to say he's able also to bridle his whole body. So if someone does n- never offends anybody with what they say, that person is a completely mature person. Anybody want to raise their hand and say that's you? <laughs> I don't want to raise my hand either. Um, but uh, verse 3, if we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, uh, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now, to illustrate how uh, man turns about his whole body with a little tongue, um, the same applies to the pen. It's important for us to understand that, right? Like, we, we, can, we can determine the course that we're going, or we, we, we announce the direction that we're going. We show the intent of our heart. We show what's in our heart when we speak. In the same way, when we write something down or we type something out, uh, it reveals um, what is in our hearts. And that's the truth. Our words reveal our hearts, and they direct our lives. Just as a bit is put in a horse's mouth and, and directs it, um, our, our words, our mouth, has, they have so much power over not only what's in our heart, but what's the direction of our, our, uh, our lives, right? Because if you say something, if you say, I'm going to do this, or I'm doing this, or I, I that, and, and you say something, uh, then if you go back, then... Uh, again, you're not either a person of your word or uh, you, you have changed your mind, you're fickle or whatever. Uh, but again, our, our words reveal the, the, the heart and also the direction of our life. Uh, no, verse number four, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So because our hearts are revealed by our tongues, by our words, we know that the tongue corresponds to the desires and also the will of the heart. It's like I said last week, you do what you want to do. We do what we want to do, right? That's the reality. Uh, I, I've preached that before. Uh, we will sometimes, if it's something that we, we want to do or we want, we will sacrifice and we will, we will do everything in the world to make it happen. Think about the things that God has made so available, so easy for us. Sometimes it's just a matter of us not wanting them. A lot of times our words reveal those desires, the, 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 the choices that are, that are in our heart. Our words say that. You listen to someone talk long enough, and you can find out what they really care about, what's really important to them. And again, that's what Scripture teaches. Verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts uh, boast of great things. How great a forest 
is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the, the entire course of life, and is uh, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and a sea creature can be tamed, has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, and it's full of deadly poison. Again, so when we look at the ability to control our speech, to be able to, uh, to control our, our tongue, you're talking about somebody who has reached a level of spiritual maturity, uh, the Bible would call completion or perfection. Um, so that is the goal. Just because, now, let, let's get this straight. Just because it says that no man can tame the tongue, that the person who can control their tongue is a perfect person, they're, they're, they're entire, they're complete, they are mature, the person who can control their tongue is that person. Just because it says that no one can do that doesn't mean that's not what we're aiming for. Right? Because the Bible also says, be ye holy, for I am holy. God talking to his people. Be ye holy, for I'm holy. Well, we know that as long as we're in this earthly tabernacle, we have struggle with the flesh. Paul said that in Romans chapter 7. So as long as we're here, we're going to battle with the flesh. We're going to battle with sin. Our body's going to obey the, the law of sin. Our heart, our mind's going to want to obey, obey the law of God. So if, if, if no man can tame the tongue, if it's, if it's a seemingly futile uh, endeavor, then why should we try so hard to do it? Why should we try so hard for this to be a mark in our life, to be able to control our tongue? Though we've been redeemed, we've been made new, we have the Spirit of God in us, we know that we have the option of yielding our members to righteousness or to unrighteousness or to righteousness. So while we understand that while we're in these earthy bodies, it's going to be a pursuit of having a controlled tongue, it's going to be, if we ever were to get there, it would be a completely mature person to be able to control your tongue all the time. We also realize that the reason we should try, strive for that is because we have choices. We can either, we can either choose to yield our, our members, the, the members of our body, as to, 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 for, use to, for unrighteousness or for use for unrighteousness. So it's a choice. Romans chapter 6 says this in verse 13, neither yield uh, and then this is a charge with a choice to obey. So neither yield. You have a choice. You, your members, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. Again, our only help, our only hope in being able to have any type of hold on our words, what we say, is found in the power of our Lord, through the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what the, the Apostle Paul said. I re, uh, uh, referenced Romans chapter 7 a while ago when he says there's, uh, you know, um, I, I, I obey the law of sin with my flesh and with my mind I obey or my heart delights after the law of God. Well, he goes on in Romans chapter 7 verse 24 and he says, O wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? How, how am I going to make it in this fleshly body? And he says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So, again, when we look at if no one can control their tongue because it's only a perfect, mature, complete person that can do that, why should I try? The answer to that is because we have a choice to either yield ourselves for the good of, and the glory of God or to yield ourselves back to the flesh 
and to allow Satan to use our members. Right? That's, that's the option that we have. The, the great thing is, as Paul just said, we have the power of God to help us through this. Um, and the reality is the closer we get to Christ, the more of his power is revealed in our life. The better control we'll have of our words. So the closer you go, grow to Christ, the, the more Christ-like you become, uh, the more of, of God's power is going to be evident in your life. And because he has more control of you, because more of his power is driving you, that means that you're going to have the, uh, a greater ability to control what you say. So if you are not growing closer to Christ, if you're not doing anything to become more Christ-like on, your, on a daily basis, if you're not moving towards that in, in a daily effort, in that daily grind that I talked about in the beginning, then there's no hope for us to be able to have this aspect, this mark, this, this mark of maturity on our lives. Because the Bible says it is it's a, full of deadly poison. It, it, is, it is a dangerous member, right? Because the reality is, is, is um, somebody can go up to you and they can hit you. And they can physically hurt you, right? They, and, and it can do some emotional damage too. Why would they do that and all that kind of stuff? Somebody can go up to you and, and hit you, but eventually those bruises would heal. But when somebody lashes at you with their words, it can cause a damage that li- lasts a lifetime. Words are so powerful. You can have the strongest person hit you, and I mean, you could recover. I mean, you might not recover, I guess, if it's the strongest person. Uh, but again, just the smallest words from the smallest person can do a lifetime worth of damage. Again, that's, that's the reality of our words. And the truth is, the more we operate in the flesh and we feed the flesh, the more we're not going to grow closer to Christ. That means the less we're going to have control of our words. So if you just do an evaluation real quick right now, if you say, I feel like that I have a hard time controlling my words. I feel like that I just spout off the mouth sometimes. I feel like sometimes I use my words and they tear people down. I feel like that sometimes I, I just respond. You know, I, I don't think about what I say. I just kind of, it just kind of blurts out. If that's where you're at, just do an evaluation. If that's where you're at, like you, I don't feel like I got really good control over what I say all the time. And the chances are you're not doing anything to grow closer to Christ. You're not taking the efforts on a daily basis to not only know what his word says, but as we've talked about already, to apply his word, to let it govern you so that you can grow closer uh, to Christ's likeness. Similar to what we saw last week. Again, you can have the information, but if you don't apply the information, it's useless. It's just information sitting there. It's kind of like potential. Unless you use it or utilize it, it's nothing. To know you should control your words is one thing. Yeah, I know, I should be better about it. I know, I shouldn't just react. Yeah, I know, I shouldn't just spout off at the mouth. I know, I shouldn't have that tone. I know, it, to, to know those things is one thing. And also on this note, let's, I'm, I'm going to say something real quick. <laughs> uh, to speak your mind, to speak, to speak your mind, or to speak your mind through writing, So I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. Listen, if you feel like I, that's what I need, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to let them know because they are wrong. Just because you have the boldness to do that does not reveal maturity. And it doesn't reveal wisdom either. 
So if that person at your job is saying something to you, you say, I'm just going to tell them how it is because I'm tired of them doing this at the job. And everybody, you know, it's not going to, number one, it's not a good testimony for Christ. But number two, it doesn't reveal any wisdom or maturity. Even if you're sincere about it, and even if you are right. I'm going to speak my mind. The reason why this is an important note to, to make here is because Scripture teaches us also about discretion. And discretion is so important. Discretion is this ability to determine what's appropriate and what's wise in our actions and in our words. And so to have discretion is, I, I may know what I'm about to say is right, but do I need to say it right now? Or do I need to say it like this? Discretion is that ability to determine, should I do this or should I say this or should I not? Should I not completely or should I wait even? Maybe I do need to say it, but I don't need to say it right now. Discretion is so important. Discretion is vital and it points to maturity. And so again, you may feel like you are right. You have the right answer. You have the right position. You have the right information. You have all those things, but it may not be the right way, the right time, all those things. And discretion is that, that element that tells you that. Discretion is that element that says, just wait. Discretion is that element that says, watch out that tone. Discretion is, is, is also the element that says, you know what? They're already dealing with something. Or God's already dealing with them. Discretion is that ability, again, to determine if it's appropriate, it's wise, something we should all desire. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10 says, When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, listen what happens, then discretion will preserve you. Understanding will guard you, will protect you, will keep you. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things. Proverbs 19, verse 11, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression. See, when somebody has wisdom, when somebody has knowledge, somebody has understanding, and discretion is guiding their actions and their thoughts, then sometimes when an offense comes, you know what, you know what the, the wise man and the discreet man can do? His honor can overlook a discretion. I mean, can overlook a, a, a transgression. With a little bit more patience, a little, a little bit more wisdom. Uh, and saying, you know what, this is not really a big deal. Again, discretion is going to make somebody slow to anger. That's another evaluation. You can say, you know what, am, am I always quick to get angry? When I read something on Facebook, do I instantly go like this? When, 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 I, when somebody does something at church, do I instantly get upset? What about this? When my wife or my husband does this, I instantly get angry. Or let's, let's throw out some other words. Oh, no. <laughs> Because angry, anger has some derivatives, right? Anger has derivatives like annoyed. It has irritation. It has impatience. I mean, all those things are, are associated with anger. Are you quick to get irritated? Are you quick to get annoyed? Are you quick with anything? Are you hasty with anything that's negative? Because again, the Bible says a man's discretion, discretion makes him slow to anger. How do you get that discretion again? The Bible just talked about it. Knowledge, wisdom, instruction, all those things are going to help us be slow to anger. 
and have discretion in our life. Back in James chapter 3, I'm almost done, verse 9. We, with it we bless our Lord, talking about our mouths, talking about our words. We bless the Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, and, and James makes it clear. My brothers, these things ought not so to be. Does a spring, you look at a spring that's coming out of a mountain, does it bring forth at the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Of course, the answer to all those, no, 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 no. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's just not possible. The point of this section of Scripture is to show that there should be a, cl a clear and distinct difference between the heart and the words of those who claim Christ as their Lord and those who don't. That's the distinction. For, for someone who doesn't have Christ inside of them, for someone who's not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, then for them to pour out bitter water, for them to, uh, to, to have uh, salt water pour out of fresh, I mean, for them to have something that's negative, not good, is, is natural. But for someone who has Christ in them, again, what comes out of us should be obvious, who it comes from. Again, our heart and therefore our words should reflect that Christ is in us. Again, if we're looking at moving to the spiritual maturity, I, I put a list here uh, that the Lord just kind of put on my heart, different things, again, spiritually uh, things, but also just um, relative to this issue. And it's this, the closer we go, grow to Christ-likeness, the less our speech. And understand this, when I say speech, I'm talking about both in substance and in tone, right? Because that's, that's the different aspects. What we say, but also how we say it. So the substance and the tone of our words. So the closer we get to being like Christ, the less our words are and sound like. They are, first of all, condescending. Right? To be condescending means that you're going to put yourself above somebody else and you're going to speak down to them like they are less than you, that they are not as intelligent as you, that they are... Um, less spiritual than you. Again, whatever the case may be. You, and, and listen, condescension can be, can be something that is a part of speech that you make about somebody else, even not to somebody else. You can have a condescending thing to say about somebody else to somebody else, to, to a different person. But condescending makes yourself bigger, makes the other person less. And so again, the more we grow like Christ, the less condescension is in our speech. The second thing, the less our speech is corrupt. Third thing, the less our speech is catty. Catty. That's a real word. <laughs> right? Because you say, you're being catty. It's real. Look it up in the dictionary. Not right now, but you can look it up. And um, it's, it's not good. Okay? Uh, so the closer we grow, grow to Christ-likeness, the less our speech is catty. The less our speech is cross. Right? Because what ends up happening is, and so what does cross mean? If you look that word up, I believe it means annoyed, right? You can be cross. You, you, can, you can come across and you can be cross with somebody. You can be annoyed with them. So you can have that annoyed tone. You have that irritated tone. You can have that, that like, just, you're wearing me out tone. You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's being cross. And so the more we grow like Christ, the less our speech is cross. Uh, the less our speech is damaging, right? The less we use words to hurt people, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So the more we are like Christ, the less our words damage people. Think about that. If there's people, if you're having these conversations with people and people are getting their feelings hurt because of things that you're saying, 
it may be a, a, an indication that this mark of controlled tongue is not in your life because your words are damaging. The more we grow like Christ, the less our speech is destructive in similar fashion. To destroy somebody is definitely not Christ-like uh, with our words. Demeaning, similar to condescending, but demeaning, putting people down, making them, belittling them, uh, making fun of them, all those kind of things. When your speech is demeaning, it does not reflect Christ. So if you're doing that, if you're making fun of people, if you're putting people down, if that's what's happening, then that is not a Christ-like attribute. Uh, if, if your speech is divisive, so we talked about this a while ago, especially in the church, right? If you've got a problem with somebody in the church, you're supposed to go to them. You're not supposed to say something to somebody else because when you say something to somebody else about a problem you have with another person, you've now used your tongue to divide. You now have been divisive. You know what the Bible says about this? There's, there's six things the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination. You know what the seventh one is? He that soweth discord among the brethren. Ooh, that's bad news. That's an abomination. For somebody to say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sow discord, problem, division inside the body of Christ. That's an abomination to God. Divisive. Fleshly is the next one. Fleshly, the, the more um, we become like Christ, uh, the less our speech sounds like the world's. That's probably a good way to put that, right? Because you probably work with people that are lost. You probably have family members that are lost. You probably have uh, friends that may be lost. And they have ways that they talk. They have wordy dirds, and they have... They have uh, not nice things to say. And again, it's just a carnal, it's worldly, it's fleshly. The more we become like Christ, the less we talk like them. Spiteful is the next one. Spiteful. The more we become like Christ, the less spiteful our speech becomes, right? And that could be a difficult thing because if we're honest, we can say a lot of things just out of spite. And so, and so what is that? Sometimes spiteful things are those things that you say under your breath or as, you, or as you're walking away or as they're walking away, right? I mean, it could be some of the other things. It could be damaging, destructive, demeaning. It could be divisive. It could be all those things. But a lot of times we say things or just to prove a point. No matter what damage it causes, we say something out of spite. If that's us, if, if this is something that's a part of our speech, then it, it, it shows us that this mark is, is faint in our life if it exists at all. But it is a mark of Christ-likeness. We're about to see that in just a second. Uh, here's another word. This is a word that we say often, um, maybe with, with kids, but smart aleck, right? Don't be a smart aleck. That could also be coupled with spiteful. But it's those things that you say that you know is, is the wrong intention of the heart, but it makes your flesh feel good, feel good right? You, so you're going to say a smart aleck remark. Oh, so that's blah, 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 you know? The last thing is slanderous. We could go on and on, but these are just a good list of things that, uh, again, if we are growing close to Christ's likeness, these things are going to be less and less uh, descriptive of, of the, the way that we talk. Slanderous is another, you could say gossip. So if you are tearing somebody down behind their back, if you're saying somebody bad about behind their back, if that's what it is, again, slanderous, 
It's just not something that we should have in our life. We're told that the mouth, words of believers are supposed to be different. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Verse 11, is it my, yeah, verse 11, when he's talking about love, and he gets to uh, this part where, where he says this, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood it as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. He shows that there is a natural progression in our spiritual lives. When, when, when I was a child, I spake like a child, I acted like a child, I heard and understood like a child, but as I grow and develop, I act differently, I talk differently, I think differently, I understand differently. And again, in our spiritual lives, that's the reality. I've, I've issued this challenge to us on Wednesday nights before. But if you can say a year ago, I'm about the same place that I am right now. Or right now, I'm about the same place that I am spiritually than I was a year ago. That's a problem. It's a problem. If there's not more that Christ has of you, if there's not more commitment that you have to Christ, if there's not more faithfulness that you have to him and his kingdom, if there's not more devotion to his cause and his commission, if there's not more time that you're spending for him, again, he's supposed to have more and more of us as we go on. If you can look back a year from now, back a year ago, and you could say, you know what, I'm probably less committed, I'm probably less faithful, I'm probably less in my, 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 my scripture time or my my study time, I'm less in prayer. I, I, I share my faith less, if ever. But a year ago, I was more, listen, you're going the wrong direction. We're supposed to be becoming more like Christ. There's no excuse for it. I wish I could say something for, for myself or for you and say, well, you know, we go through, listen, the reality is we do go through season, but there's no excuse in the Bible that says that's okay. Hang out there, backslide, it's cool, you know? I mean, nowhere in Scripture does it say that, but it says in Scripture that we are supposed to be pressing toward the mark, supposed to be pushing forward towards a high calling in, in Christ Jesus, the upward calling. So this is what we're supposed to be doing. Again, a progression towards spiritual maturity, and we see that spiritual maturity very clearly is revealed in the words of a believer. Again, in the tone and in the substance. So a year ago... If, you're, if your speech isn't becoming more wholesome and more glorifying of God and, and more unifying and, and the opposite of the list we saw a while ago, if it's not becoming more like that, then we're not moving to spiritual maturity. Ephesians 4 verse 15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Again, it's part of our growth. It's not supposed to be the, the junk that false teachers teach, but we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Our words are supposed to breathe life. And guess what? If we do that, it's all part of being edified and growing up into him who is the head in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, further on in that chapter, it says this in verse 29. Speech is so important. It's such an important part of this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. No corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Again, there's no like excuse. There's no like backsliding, uh, you know, slice out of there, well, in unless you are, no. Let no corrupt communication or talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may great, give grace to those that hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So if you don't do that, you could grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God 
and Christ forgave you. So we have the beautiful example of our Lord, the beautiful example of him once again, who we're supposed to be growing up into. In his most difficult times, listen, I want to say this, I'm about to close. When things get difficult or when things uh, get tighter in our lives or we go through difficult times, sometimes that's when we let go of our speech, right? Like the pressure starts mounting and then bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, and then boom, we, we just get loose in our mouth. In Christ's most difficult times, in his most intensely trying times, in times that didn't go well the way that we would think they should go well, when people didn't do what he wanted them to do, look at what happens. 1 Peter chapter 2, for to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So what's the example that he left? What's the steps that we're supposed to follow in? He says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. So he was honest, he was truthful, he didn't sin. Listen here, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. In other words, when, when he was mocked, and when, he was to, when, when, they, when they, they tore him down with his words, and they made fun of him, and they did all those things, he didn't return any of that. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, he didn't say, look, I'm about to blow you up if you don't quit, you know. He didn't say that. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. That's the example that we have that we're to follow. So when things get bad, we're not supposed to just, well, I, you know, what, am, what else am I supposed to say? Well, maybe nothing. Why? Why should I not say anything? Because that's the example that Christ left. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 says, He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He could have, he could, look, he said, let there be light, and there was light. There's power in the words of God. He, when they said, uh, when, when he answered them in the garden, when they came to arrest him, uh, to arrest him, they fell over. I mean, the power is in his words. He could have said whatever he wanted to say. With all that power, with all that ability, and, and, and as a righteous God, he could do whatever he wanted to do. I mean, he can't sin, but he could have said whatever. But he opened not his mouth. Sometimes one of the most Christ-like things we can do concerning our speech is say nothing. Is say nothing. Hey, guess what? That even applies in the home. Said, so, no, 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 they're not getting by with that. One of the most Christ-like things we can do is say nothing. Proverbs 29, 11, fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Christ was that perfect example. He could have, but he was no fool. He was all wise. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to... You ought to answer every man. What does your speech reveal about your heart? Has it been transformed by God? Is that what your speech shows? That my words reflect my Lord? They, they, they're a reflection of Him? Does it show that because your words are edifying and because they're gracious and because they're gentle and loving and helpful and, and unifying, is that what your words are? And so they point to your Lord because that's what His words were. Or do your words cause question about your spiritual standing? When you talk, 
whether at home or at work or wherever, is, is their confusion because your words are divisive. They're harsh. They're demeaning. They tear down. They're catty. They're spiteful. That's a reflection of your heart. And so is that, ref- is that showing, I haven't really been changed. Again, we're either moving closer to spiritual maturity or we're moving further. We're backsliding. And our words are the absence of our words. A controlled tongue reveals that mark. Am I moving closer to Christ-likeness? Again, a controlled tongue is that. Father, thank you so much for this time, this opportunity uh, to be challenged with this. Lord, I know I've been challenged with this. Uh, Lord, uh, I've already asked for help. And Lord, I, w- I want to make sure that um, my words uh, breathe life. God, that they are unifying, that they're helpful, they're um, encouraging, they're edifying, uh, that they're truth, and, and, the, and they're truth uh, with love, uh, just as we're told to. And so tonight, I pray that we're challenged. I pray that we would really evaluate uh, how we use our words, uh, what we say and how we say it. And God, let it be sincere. And by that, I mean, let it start in our, in our homes. Let it be evident in our church. And then let it go from there. Lord, help us be a great reflection of who you are and how you talked, how, how you spoke when you were on this earth. And um, Lord, I know I desire this mark in my life. I pray that every one of your children here would desire this mark, to have a controlled tongue. I pray that you just move now in this time to, for us to respond, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name.